Dice Masters, Zifferblatt, and Breakfast at Willington's. This is Staying In. What about skips, Chris? Oh, skips are fantastic. Right, okay. But what you were saying was that prawn cocktail flavour crisps are disgusting and gross and Dan and I are are the only ones that actually like them. And you're wrong because you like skips and skips skips are prawn cocktail flavour. I mean, mean, I'm not like some kind of aficionado of skips. I haven't had had a packet of skips in like, I don't know, a decade and a half. Do you mean a skip aficionado? (laughs) Yeah, like a connoisseur. Um, yeah, I, 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 had, I just think you're wrong. I just think what have you got against prawn actually, Yeah, what have you got against them? It's just uh, what I feel like I'm being conned. What I, do you mean by <laughs> feel like you're being conned? My mouth doesn't know what, what my mouth doesn't know what's happening. It doesn't but, know where to place it. Am I? Is it sweet? Is it savoury? I don't know. What are these notes? But that's that's yeah. But like what you're saying there is, oh, I don't like it when sweet and savoury comes together. You yeah. do realise that you're essentially just getting rid of whole elements of cuisine or oh, don't like sweet and savory together like, yeah but when you open when you open a packet of roast chicken and you smell the bouquet you, you know yeah. you you can kind of yeah it's fake roast chicken flavored but yeah yes, there, there, there is a semblance there to chicken yeah no. and when i if i no, open a bu- no, no, okay no like let's take let's say that chris is right when he says and he, he smells the bouquet and he can smell a scented yeah. chicken in there okay when that's i open it, a yeah, packet okay. of prawn cocktail i may not have a, a a bouquet of prawn but i'm definitely getting the cocktail aspect the 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 mayo rose sauce <laughs> the aspect. i'm absolutely getting that yeah absolutely and here's the thing right also it's okay for flavors to not be real like i quite like tutti frutti when it comes to my sweet choices, right? <laughs> That's not a real thing. It's like if you go and if you go ahead and like P- try P- grape flavored uh, foods from America yeah. or whatever, they're not. That doesn't actually taste like grapes. No. Well, st- sticking with Chris, though, I think one of the worst Chris experiences of my life is when we went around to Dan's for New Year's Eve, and he greeted us at the door. The first thing, mm. New Year's Eve mm. party. Him yeah. and his lovely wife had kindly laid on a buffet for us. Do you remember? It was, it was lovely. Nice it was actually, a fantastic buffet. Yeah. But the first yeah. thing, out of all the things on the buffet table, yeah. there's some lovely well, stuff now, there. Wait, wait, wait. What, now, Chris, what would you what would you expect from a random oh, buffet in New Year's? I, I, well, pro- you... Ironically, a, pro- a, co- a prawn cocktail, perhaps. A prawn cocktail. Um, yeah, finger or... food, you know, Doritos. Yeah. Maybe some quiche. Yeah, maybe a quiche. Uh, maybe some, like, I don't know, some chicken dippers. Uh, maybe, for a bit of nostalgia, maybe some cocktail sticks with pineapple and a bit of cheese on them. Oh, lovely. But no, Dan greeted us with um, a tube of Pringles. Oh, lovely, Dan. Um, <laughs> mint chocolate flavoured Pringles. Oh. Mint chocolate flavoured Pringles. And he, in they fact, actually, Dan wouldn't, Dan wouldn't almost let me pass the door away unless I tried them. It was like uh, it was some kind of toll I had to pay yeah. to enter, yeah. his, enter his lovely flat. And that basically sullied my palate for the rest of the night. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, Pete had already gone home before midnight, was it? Yeah, I was like, so this, I'm out. <laughs> you only got there at 11. Bucking, bucking the trend as usual. New Year's Eve party, leave before New Year's, New Year's Eve happened. <laughs> New Year's Day happened. No, we stayed around for that. It was got to about, it was at least 10 past 12 by the time that we left. You come Good all time. the way to London for a New Year's party and then you leave at 10 past 12. <laughs> no, we went and got a hotel, mate. Paid I, for a very nice hotel. I thought yes. you were in a barn. 
but you were still coming for a New Year's party. It wasn't like you'd come all the way to London, to the outskirts of London, to stay in a Premier Inn and then and then kind of hop into a party on the way as a little side thing. That is exactly what it is about, though. Like, the whole point of going to a New Year's party is you go and do... Like, what's the point of it? You go there, you socialise... Tick. You socialise with friends. Tick. You have horrible food. Tick. And then you... You, you see the year in, tick. What else is there after that which makes you then go, oh, New Year's is not completed unless I have done these things? Because you're at a party. You, I don't quite know what you're missing. You're at a party. So be yeah. at the party. Don't leave at the very at first the opportunity. I was at the party. I had a lovely time. I left when <laughs> everything had been done. <laughs> everything had been done and you decided that fact when everything had been yeah, done everything at had 10, been done, at 10 like, past 12 there we go I had really posh uh, I had really posh uh, prawn cocktail crisps at the weekend did you? Uh, before Where, you kept them uh, hold on we were hanging out okay. the weekend so Friday. you kept those like squirrelled away somewhere <laughs> Friday <did you? laughs> okay Friday before we met <laughs> Pete Pete he was going to yours you know we've all had breakfast at yours we, we didn't know what to <laughs> expect <laughs> for the weekend. hang on hang on it's like a hamster on. hibernating food side note I stayed at Pete's for two nights breakfast on the first night was bacon egg well there's the first mistake giving you breakfast on the night in the morning that's very after early. the first night bacon yeah. halloumi eggs in a lovely sandwich and a sweet chili sauce superb second wow second breakfast after the second night eggy bread with some ham. oh classic yeah classic so uh pete's really stepped up from bacon that you slice <laughs> <laughs> do we need to contextualize do we need to spread well, it was yeah, like it was like a bacon spread, but it didn't really spread, yeah, did it? It was you, kind of like, but it was by it was by one of those like tinned meat companies that it didn't that even come in a tin. It was bacon in a plastic flavor. tub. I think what annoyed me the most about that pee was that you didn't tell us what it yeah, was. You just yeah. said, "Oh, so anyone want bacon?" And con- it was a subterfuge. And considering now you're all about knowing where your meat comes from, it's a height of hypocrisy <laughs> yeah. that you once fed us something mm, and mm. didn't tell us where on earth it came from. But the thing is. You wouldn't have eaten it if I'd have said this meat's from a can and has not been so refrigerated why were you eating and will last it? another three years. So- because I, because I was all right with it at that point. I was like, I was like, I don't really care about the suffering of animals. <laughs> and like, and then I was like, oh, now I do. But so you don't live in like a nuclear bunker, though. You're in Bristol. What? Yeah, that doesn't matter. Whether or not, like, I had, I just wanted to try canned meat. I wanted to, I was like, do you know what? Maybe this is as good as the, the, well, I guess it is sort of real, but like, maybe this is as good as like proper bacon. The answer, of course, was no, it is not as good as proper bacon. But, but you still, tried, even while we were eating it, you tried to tell us that it was. You were like, this is really nice. And we were like, yeah, it was, hey, it was, it was almost like us? the utterly butterly of meat. Pete, why have you given us dog food? I can't believe it's not meat. It sort of is meat. Ah, it's not really. Um, but yeah, so I think what, you know, ultimately, I think what we can come to at the end of this is basically I've become a much better cook uh, and we can drop the whole breakfast thing. Oh yeah, we had spaghetti bolognese as well, which is really nice. All in all, That's a, hell of a, a great breakfast. weekend, um, which will probably come to you later on. But going back to prawn cocktails, as in the crisp, I had a crisp flavor, flavor that was langoustine lemon and chive so it's posh prawn cocktail you know it's prawn, right, co- yeah. prawn it nice? and sour 
flavours together. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's lovely. My mum went bonkers for them, I tell you. I've never, se- I've never <laughs> seen any woman go more bonkers for a crisps. Like, you know those crisps that we ate at your house, Pete? Those yep. are the crisps my mum didn't want. Well, so those are pretty posh yeah. crisps. So the langoustine ones, she's keeping and she's eating. Oh, my word. Um, <laughs> she keeps them in the cupboard like, and gets them out for special occasions like Christmas <laughs> or if the Queen comes around. <laughs> she's buying up the whole stock from Marks and Sparks uh, as we speak. Uh, Pete and I spent a romantic weekend together in mm-hmm. Bristol. Just the two of you. Just the two of us. Um, the good lady dropped her off at a hotel and then I went to go and spend the weekend with Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a friend with her as well. Like, I didn't just... I was going to say, that. For, I just, I'm glad you said that because that would have been like, yes, I mean, you made the wrong decision there. <laughs> Look, Lise, um, I'm hanging out with you and all, but I just want Pete to myself this weekend. I've booked you a hotel. So, and plus the breakfast at this hotel isn't as good as uh, what Pete's offering. <laughs> Um, so I went to so I went to Pete's house, which is always a wonderful experience. I met him mm-hmm. at. He was like, "Oh, come meet me in the gang that I work with. We're at a place called the Canteen. I would describe it more as a students' union, more than anything." Right, it, but it, it okay, but it wasn't a students' union. It's just that's the area that it's in. It's like, it's just full of nice boho, uh, like I mean, like we got served. I mean, we, got, we will have been served by like. A woman who had like an anarchist logo, like wristband mm, thing, okay. and then like it's all very like vegan and oh, it's nice. It's Sam, full sh- of students, Sam. Sam, you should consider yourself being. You should consider yourself lucky. When I last came down to Bristol, Pete, in advance of that, Pete had said, "Yeah, uh, you can come. Out, you can come with me because I was going to get there about four, and you can meet the people at work with and stuff like that." And I was like, "Oh yeah, great." And then probably like earlier of the day on my arrival, he was kind of like. Yeah, actually, just uh, meet me at my house. Uh, basically, didn't want me to meet you, fair enough. So at least you got to meet them. <laughs> like oil and water. Yeah. Like, remember that sat outside his house for three quarters of an hour in the cold. <laughs> well, my favourite story, Dan, was that you went to visit Pete and, and you didn't actually see Pete. You were just in Bristol and you just you sent a picture of you outside his flat when he wasn't in. Yeah. It's horrible. It was really scary. I'd gone all the way to Bristol with work and I thought, you know what, I'll see my friend and he's on, on the lunchtime because... We, mm, we work mm. quite near to each other yeah. and I don't I see you very often yeah. so as I went on my lunch I was like well Pete's not around so I'll go and see if he's at home and you weren't so I took a picture <laughs> yeah I, I like I like the tone in your voice there knowing knowing that it was wrong just like so then I to be fair, took a picture my biggest concern was that uh, your good lady would be at home and she would see just someone like she obviously knows me, but in case she didn't know it was me, just someone random outside her flat taking pictures. Mm, taking a photo. That, that may just have looked fan. bad. That's what she'd think. Just another fan. So Sam and I hung yeah. out. And it was lovely. We On the first night, we dabbled a bit of uh, Magic the Gathering. And that was... It that was, was very, very good. Fun. I, showed, I showed Peter my very blue nice. control deck. And he yep. showed me his... Uh, I, um, what did I use? I used like a Shadows over Innistrad starter deck to to play around it was more of a sort of um keep it clean lads keep it clean well well oh. sorry sorry well it was it did get a little bit uh heated uh we were yeah we hung out for a bit and then we drank gnts until 2am playing magic and talking and yeah it was good yeah. really good and then i started a yeah. new obsession 
Uh, yes. Is... Yeah, because you didn't need another one. Sam, I don't, I don't need any more in my life. <laughs> well, to be fair, yeah. it all started when I spent six pounds on dice a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. And since then, I've had a thing about dice. And right. I was listening to. <laughs> God, this makes it sound so awful. Um, I was listening to a podcast uh, called We're Not Wizards, and oh, I've started listening right, to yeah. that. And um, it's really good. Uh, two uh, lovely, genial hosts, and they kind of mentioned this thing called Dice Masters. And I'd never heard of Dice Masters mm-hmm. before. Um, so I thought, oh, that sounds like fun. And I like dice now. So <laughs> I thought, <laughs> you know when you get an idea in your head, when you know, when you know you're going to buy something, and no matter what it's like, you, you're going to get out. And so Pete and I went to Forbidden Planet in Bristol, had a little look around. I bought myself a Garth Ennis uh, graphic novel, and I love the Forbidden Planet in Bristol because all the over t- all, all the over eighteen stuffs put in shrink wrapping, so you feel well naughty when you yeah. buy it. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> this one's got swearing. Yeah. So there good. I was, like fiddling with this like shrink wrapping, like thinking, like, yeah, I'm such an adult. Um, and then I saw it. Then I saw their Dice Master stand. I thought, oh. Mm. Now, um, Dice Masters is a game which is based on a uh, on a previous title called Quarriers. Quarriers, yeah. is that right? And uh, basically, um, I bought World's Finest Dice Masters, which is based on DC, but you can get X Men, Uncanny X Men, Marvel, Civil War, Dungeons and Dragons, like all the big franchises mm-hmm. we have now, all have their own sort mm-hmm. of Dice Masters set. So, of course, I didn't get it from Bidden Planet. <laughs> we went to another shop in Bristol called Excelsior because I wanted to get the DC World's Finest set. And we nearly bought a board game called Scythe. Oh, yep. you nearly bought it, did oh, you? Chris. Yeah. That, yeah, Chris. That is, you, that is, that is being, that's supposed to be one of the best games of 2000, best board games really? of 2016. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it, will take you until, it will take you until 2017 to play it. It's oh, yeah, so, it, it's, it's, it's it epic seems war real game. dense. Oh, no, I, I, wouldn't, yeah. I don't know if I'd ever play it, but it's just, I just know it's one of the hot properties at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's meant to be brilliant. But that, that Excelsior was, yeah, it was pretty good, actually. Like, I really, really enjoyed, like, going through and seeing all that. It was like walking into, like, uh, you know, a, a, a genie's cave of board games, um, but yeah. So, so, so you were sort of like, oh, I'm going to get Dice yeah. Masters, and I was like, okay, well, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I can go there with you, but you were basically like, it's fine, it's going to be all right. I'll just get the starter deck for, for like two it. players, and you get cards and you get dice, you get two little bags, and then you, and then we, and we were like, yeah, yeah, we were like, we'll go back and we'll play Dice Masters, the DC one, and then. 45 minutes of figuring out what that rule book actually meant like the now i will say this before before i criticize the rule book the game itself is actually pretty good and i'm sure we'll talk about it in a second and the card art's lovely and a lot once you sort of know how it works it, it's it's quite nice and it makes sense that manual is that the manual it's so bad like it starts talking about mechanics as if you already know what they are and then you're like, yeah, but I don't know what, uh, you know, I don't know why I should move from this area. Why I don't know why I should move my dice into, from this area into this area. It doesn't actually make particularly clear that you need a, a, a copy per opponent of like a little map that it provides you as well of where you should be putting certain dice. Because um, you actually, where you actually put them on this map, physically on this map, 
is really important, and it never really makes that particularly clear, as far as I it can tell. It does mention it, but um, it only gives you one map in a two-player starter deck. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, that too. So it's like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. But I, I really... I, well, I, I think... I quite liked it. I really like the game as well, but it, as a game, it has been marred by the initial trying to actually understand like there was a yeah. there was a rule in it which was a car a, a dice if you threw it in one way it would have the effect of reducing or spinning your character level from one to three and we were like character level what's that so you read into the rules and it said your character level is defined from left to right reading one two or three so you looked at the cards couldn't see anything on it nothing referring to level nothing at all and like oh that's a bit weird. It's a bit strange. Okay, well, you know, we're, we're, maybe it's just like for a card that's not in this deck or a card that's not into a set. About 20 minutes of research yeah. later, it turns out that on each card, so each card you get has a dice that's associated to it. And on that card, it has all six sides of the die and, and you know, tells you what's on each side of it. Because most of the time, the dice sit in your little handy bag that you get. <laughs> <laughs> So, so cool. You, so you don't know. So you so as a quick reference guide, you know when that dice is going to your that bag, you're getting six options of what's on that dice, and it figured out from internet yeah. research, not from the manual, the level of your character when you're using them are the three character faces on that occupy half of the dice sides, and it's just like that takes a sentence yeah. to describe in a manual. And we've wasted like 15 yeah. minutes trying to work out what one rule is. This we had to we had to go and watch a nice video by some nice Canadian man, and he was like, "And this is how you actually play the game." And it was like, and obviously there's a growing trend of of games companies using YouTube to actually yeah. explain the rules quickly, and I really like that. I think it's a really good trend. But you shouldn't have to within a rule book. You should be able Especially to just read what it as says and say, "Oh, I know, I understand." And also, it's meant to be. It's meant to skew like slightly younger the game yeah. isn't it because it's whiz right, kids okay. honestly well, it's 14 plus on the box right but <laughs> yeah is that how many but years I mean, it takes like... you to read it and understand yeah, it yeah but like like you know i it like it is a you know quote unquote kids game in the same way that like mario yeah. is a kids game it's like magic it's actually enjoyable game. by anybody but yeah magic's a kids game uh but like but it's enjoyable it's enjoyable by everybody basically but yeah like the actual mechanics of it I thought were really clever like there's some card based stuff but the card the cards really kind of display yeah, what's going to be happening the dice in, in when you yeah so you've rolled a dice and, and it's it's basically a specific action within a uh, that's shown on the dice and then you refer to the card and it does this sort of certain thing and then you know um, and then there's a fair you know a fair chunk of luck in it but a lot of the game is about mitigating well, luck well it's a dice it's a dice um, building and, game like, mitigating so risk. Like with a deck building game yeah. You're not only thinking about the short-term gains, but also the long-term games. With a dice, so the main yeah. conceit of deck builder is for you to accrue energy by rolling like energy dice. Um, so if you think of it in terms of like King of Tokyo, something like that, and using that energy yeah. to buy either um, like event dice that could help you in a spot, or character dice from the characters that you pick. So you have like Batman, Power Girl. Uh, Batwoman, Crypto, the Superdog, Steel. You have this whole like host of DC characters that you can pick off. And you can pick like up to eight characters mm. and have up to 20 
dice. So you could have like three mm. Batman character dice and two Catwoman and four. So like you got to really think about your strategy in a long-term game. And so when you're rolling dice, you're rolling basically to accrue your deck, to accrue those dice that you're going to use later on in the game. So do you opt early for character dice so you can bring Batman into your bag so then you can get you know Batman out to fight for you later on or do you go for uh, event dice which could possibly give you lots of energy later on in the game to then fight on in the late stage of the game so there's, there's loads to it and actually you know Pete's right once you've got over that first hurdle and I think when we're all together and I'm showing it to you, Dan, and you, Chris, because we've both played it, I think mm. you'll not only get it a bit sooner, but I think both Pete and I will be a bit more infused about the game. You'll yeah, be able definitely. to answer questions when yeah, we Yeah, exactly. And, and you'll be able to it's, go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Otherwise, we had to be like, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. And mm, you know that one time, Chris, when we cracked open Ogre, the pocket edition, to play it, and I was like... "Yeah." you know that demoralizing thing where you look at the rules and just being like well this isn't going to be much fun to learn and play at the same time is it like and that was exactly what happened with dice masters but we just had to go over you just went over that hurdle and had lots of fun and of course there's booster packs yeah so now so then basically so basically we we uh, sam went out and got a start starter pack and then i was like okay brilliant so and then we woke up and had a lovely breakfast uh, of eggy bread and then on and on the sunday and then I was like, okay, so what should we do? And Sam was like, well, we're going to go to Forbidden Planet and buy booster packs of Dice After Masters. Promising. Oh I was like, gosh. I was like, great. This is such a bad move. But also, I mean, but also quite fun. I mean, like, I'm I assuming that you've them. opened them already now. And, and are so they, was it good? Is it worth it? the starter packs, to, the booster packs to the Civil War edition, because effectively the game's the same across all sets. So you can mix universes and worlds. So effectively you could create like a Marvel... Um, set of dice and you could create like a, a DC one or merge them you could have like dragons fighting for you alongside Iron Man and things like that so there's scope to it hmm. but the reason that I wanted to get the booster cards is because you get two booster, you get two cards and two dice in the set. In the starter set you get two dice for each of the character cards for each of the characters that you have and most of the characters yep. have a maximum of four dice each to them so you kind of if you're yeah. like thinking sort of long term, if I wanted to be Batman, Chris couldn't be Batman because I've only got two Batman dice to play with. Well, so there yeah. we go. Yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. my kind of reasoning for getting like boosters. So when it comes to introducing you guys to it, it's a bit more flexible in terms of games. And also I kind of wanted to get some boosters to mm. see what they would be like. And they're really cool. They're really good. Like I got like a Vibramium shield, um, which has like certain um, effects. I got two lady, um, two, um, what's her name? Spider-Man's wife. Lady Gaga. No, I, I wish. Uh, black, black. Me, me and Dan black frantically cat. trying to find a point of entry into this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Dan just pounces on what's Lady Gaga. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, do you mean, do you mean, uh, not Gwen Stacy, but, um. Gwen Stefani. No. I'm seeing a link there. <laughs> Come on. Jeez. Come on. Um. Uh, do you yeah, mean, MJ, Mary uh, Jane, MJ. Mary Jane, Michael Jackson? And... <laughs> I don't know, Dan. God, I don't Dan. know, I don't know. I think you've you found brilliant. a new license for Dice Masters Pop Pop Edition. <laughs> um, 
Can I can I just remind? I feel I feel quite remiss because we have a WhatsApp group. Well, we have several WhatsApp groups, but the WhatsApp group, which is just us talking in general, which is lovingly entitled "Brothers," capital yeah. letters spelt phonetically, with the picture of the three musketeers all going um, all for one and one for all. Sam, you sent a message to the group chat on the twenty second of July saying, "I just spent six pounds on dice." That was at nine forty seven, nine fifty. Can I nominate one of you to look after my finances? <laughs> yeah, and the, the nine fifty again, well, or at least be a sounding board when when before I purchase anything. Now you with Pete. Pete was your Pete. sounding board. Pete. So 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 I think it's pretty clear that that is not the job for me. Um, <laughs> to be fair, Chris. Yeah, Chris. I, I, Chris. I, I, I when guess when I, I went into uh, Forbidden Planet the next day just to buy a couple of booster packs. I mean, in the in the end, I bought five. Yeah. But anyway. But just to buy a couple yeah. of booster packs, Pete was going. Why don't you buy the next starter set? Buy a starter set. Go on, just buy the Dungeons and Dragons starter set. I'm your conscience, and he was, Jiminy and Willington. He was the one going. Oh, I really want to buy Scythe. Do you know what it's about, Pete? No. <laughs> but I like the cover art. But it's it's you know it it was. Uh... Uh, and it's that kind of fun time where you're like in one of these big shops and you're like, you know, there's there's so many amazing looking board games. You just want to play everything. I think that's for you, like from what I gather from you, Sam, like I don't I get the feeling you probably no. won't buy too many more boosters. But it was I think the way you're you're approaching it is like I want to play this game. because oh, yeah. it's, so it's like Dice Tower. No, it was nominated that... for Dice Tower Best Game, nominated for Dice Tower Best Two Player Game. And from that kind of record, from that mm. kind of stamp on the box usually i'm going to look into getting a purchase yeah. or oh, it, it also yeah. got a and board and game I, geek silver medal or a bronze medal so it's like in terms of rated games especially two-player games like dice masters yeah. is huge mm. it's massive yeah and that was my yeah. my idea with the starter set was this is now a game that we can play when there's just like two of us together it's just another game to go alongside duke and odin's ravens and like games take about 30 minutes I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I think I might be the be- in the best position to be your uh, finance sounding board, Sam, because I, w- I would probably say in that scenario of being in Forbidden Planet, of all of us, I'm the person who walks in there and just doesn't belong there belong and there. has no idea everyone, what everyone is going on. So I'm like, Planet. That's what's so wonderful about it. Yeah, everyone belongs. Everyone but I have no idea what anything yeah. is there, so I just walk around and I'm like, okay, are we, yeah, is it time to go? Are. Are, are we? Are we, are we done? Dan, you're making it sound like you've just wandered into some kind of like um, bar that's like the home of a biker gang. <laughs> there have been uh, there have been times when we've gone into certain shops what, and I've felt that way. What shops are you most com- What's the shop, Dan, where you walk into and you go, "I know this is it. This is home. This is this is yeah. a fantastic question." My yeah. people. Yeah, if you, if you're in a new city, Dan, and you had to go to a shop, yeah. what's the one you're going to feel the safest in? Like Ooh. for me, HMV. Maybe HMV. Mm. Oh my God, Dan. What? When was when was HMV? the last time? Dan, you yeah. bought, what was the last thing you bought in HMV? Well, I haven't bought anything in a <laughs> shop for a while. <laughs> right. Dan, I buy everything Dan online. Shoplifts. I remember when I was younger, like on a like on a fairly consistent basis. I'm talking like probably at least once a week going to HMV and the deals they used to have on DVDs and buying just kind of four, for five, six films because they were like. Yeah three for ten pound or something like that and buying i might i'll have bought taxi driver or scarface and just bought kind of classic films on a very regular basis that's why i've got so many dvds i've got dvds in my collection now that i bought probably around seven or eight years ago that i've never watched just because i bought so many see you're fronting like you're not a nerd 
but like that is that is classic nerd behavior i'm not i'm, I'm not saying any, i'm not saying at all that i'm not a nerd i'm just saying that in the realms of forbidden planet it it's not my uh mecca let's say <laughs> we'll get you there we'll get you there <laughs> So, uh, I, went to, so I, got, I went to Manchester to see you hang out in the evening and you said let's let's meet at um, we, we went out a meal we had a lovely meal tri tie fantastic food I ate um, I ate a, my dinner out of a pineapple which is lovely yes as you do yeah which I felt captured the nice balance of sweet and sour that I wasn't getting in the packet of prawn cocktail crisps <laughs> <laughs> is that what you look for in a packet of prawn cocktail that's crisps? exactly what I did the umami flavour Sam because then I can understand why you like skips because it gives you a bit of it does, uh, yeah, it does. also they melt in the mouth yeah. But a side note, Sam. So, yeah, after that, we went to a place called a Zifferblatt. You were waxing lyrical about it. I'd never heard of it before. What is a Zifferblatt, Sam? A uh, Zifferblatt is, is a restaurant. Well, it's not really a restaurant. No, I'll start that again. Zifferblatt is a cafe. Well, really, Chris, it's neither of anything I'm talking about. It's a state, it's a state, of, state of, mind. of mind. It's a state of being. It's a philosophy. I'm um, already not interested. <laughs> it's already well, out of my head. Dan, Dan cope with the dice, but this is this is a straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> I'm not going to visit a state of mind. So what is what what is a state of mind? So it's generally the the pompous kind of way to describe Zifferblatt is as a is it is defined. They define it themselves as a bit of a social experiment. So okay. they take empty um, and unused spaces within cities. So they've got one in London, uh, they've got one in Manchester. I think they're about to open a second in Liverpool. Yeah. And the idea is is that basically, as a community, you help sort of sustain the existence of this space. So, at its basic theory, when you enter in a Zifferblatt, all you pay for is your time. So you like enter, and it's like when you went to a a pool club uh, during your lunch break when you're like sixteen, seventeen. At, uh, well, anyway, I did when I was doing my A-levels. Yeah, yeah, you I pay, that, yeah. And you start with a card, and then you pay for your time afterwards. Yeah. But here, everything is free, except for the time you spend there. So what's everything? So everything is tea, coffee, cereal, toast, food, cake, pastries, biscuits, pastries, coke. Milk, board games. soya, board games, magic games, Wi-Fi, books. So basically, we've been using it as a kind of a hub, a place where for six pence a minute, we can all meet together and basically have a really nice, comfortable place to, you know, have a free cup of tea and have lots of food while we're there. So it's become... For us, it's become because it's because at the moment I'm renovating my house, so we don't really have the space there. And most of my friends of mine uh, live or work in the centre of Manchester. Chris lives in Liverpool, so it's easy for him just to come into Manchester. It's a really easy and cheap way to for us all like to basically just hire a little space. Like when Eldritch Ooh. Moon came out, we went to Travelling Man in Manchester, me and uh, my two friends, Percival, that we know of, and we went to Zifferblatt for three hours, drank loads and loads of coffee, free coffee, drank loads, ate loads and loads of cake, and like had like a really nice, comfy, luxuriant armchairs, like opened up all our sets and did all that kind of stuff. And you can bring in your own food if you want. Pets are welcome. Um, the other day, I went to go and visit Chris in Liverpool, and he was having a meeting at Zifferblatt, so I went along while Whilst Chris was in the meeting, I helped myself to a couple of slices of toast and four bourbon biscuits, and that was my breakfast. Thank you very much. Nice. I also, got a, creepy, I also got a creepy message from Sam because <laughs> I, was communi- I, 
was having this meeting with my colleagues and I, I'd actually said, because I'd been to Ziffelblatt the night before with Sam, I said, let's meet in the Ziffelblatt in Liverpool, let's give that a try. And my, I introduced my colleagues to it and they, they love it. And we're going to have, I think we're going to have meetings there in the future because it's so good. And um, so I was like, oh, I know Sam's coming to meet me in Liverpool and he should be here in a bit. And I said, Sam, I just said, I sent him a message saying, Sam, I'm in Ziffelblatt, I'm still in the meeting. And I just got a message back saying, I know. And I look around and he's there in the corner, just half lit by this lamp in this armchair reading a comic. I, I, how long has he been there? <laughs> um, and yeah, well, and the, the one in Liverpool was fantastic. I went over there, I opened the fridge, Pete, cold pizza in the fridge. Amazing. What? Pepperoni pizza. And then for the first time I thought, I feel like I'm in someone's living room. It's, um, it's fantastic. Honestly, it's really good. And they keep everything topped up. How, how, so, okay, so how expensive was this again? Well, uh, Manchester is 6p a minute. Liverpool's slightly on the pricier side at 8 pence well, It's much minute. more central, 8 pence per minute. So eight, let's say eight pence. Let's, well, let's just say ten pence per minute, right? Like ten pence per minute. So sixty minutes in an hour. So you're looking at about. So that would work out to be what six quid an hour. Wow. Cost having Brian Cox. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> well, no, not really, because like uh, Zifferblatt in Manchester, it's six pence a minute. So it's like three pounds sixty an hour. So okay, with a maximum okay, well, of five hours. So you can't stay okay. in there for longer than five hours. Okay, so let's say it's about four, like let's say like four quid an hour, right? Yeah, that's not bad. Like if you think about that's... what you pay for for a coffee or a tea in a central city location, and you're getting that for free. Like if you're there for two hours. Yeah, if you're there for two you... hours and have two coffees and two teas, it's not like shit tea. It's like proper filter coffee. They got a proper uh, coffee machine. Grind your own beans. All the teas that you could choose from. Um, a fresh cycle of like biscuits good. and cakes that are all homemade and home done and you also get space to yourself so if you went to go and do that in Starbucks you feel a bit rude for pulling out your version of Dice Masters and just like flinging dice all mm. around but here it's a space to be used you know it's a space to be taken advantage of um, wow. and the one in Manchester is actually it's so well kitted out they've got like a copy of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective to make sure they get the most money out of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, game lasts about three hours. <laughs> they've got like five uh, Magic the Gathering intro packs. Uh, they got, is that Deception? What, what yeah, Murder in Hong Kong. Yeah, you should really check that out. So it's, it's a cross between Werewolf and uh, Spyfall, I think. Yeah, so they've got some it. like, they've got a great board game collection in Manchester. Like they really thought about it to the point where I want to go there to try out some board games that I've always wanted to try out like it's so is this is this a chain it's basically it was a guy called Ivan Meetin is the guy's name and he it, it was actually created as an experiment back in 2011 in Moscow um so it's kind of a chain like the people that own the one in Liverpool also own the one in Manchester it's the same people um because I know because when when I was leaving with Sam I was curious about it for my own like the, my my workplace whether we have meetings here so they gave me like a pack because you can book out spaces so each Zifferblatt also has its own rooms and like loft spaces so one is like a classroom so if you wanted to do anything like if I wanted to take my students there off site we could do some work in a space there there is a drawing room which you can you know you can have really good work days there's a dining room there as well and they're, they're all kitted out in a kind of a nice kind of vintage style it's really comfy and very cozy mm. it's like someone's mm. living room kind of crossed with um kind of crossed with i suppose um a hostel uh, a ymca yeah. Yeah, yeah, I... it's, it's a really nice welcoming place actually mm. we thought it'd be a great place to go when you're like hung over like yeah. you know because you go in they serve like breakfast so there's like cereals in the morning 
and then they have like soup and you could just go in there and have like toast and just like recover after a heavy night or whatever and just relax and chill out play some games it's a really great well, idea i mean I'd say, well, we'll go we'll go when we come when everyone comes to liverpool and we we'll go there we'll go to the one just across yeah the docks. Oh, yeah good. we will do yeah I, I'm really absolutely in love with the fact that you found a place where there's all-you-can-eat food just before we all meet up and go and climb up a mountain. Like, that is not a good opportunity to get a big old belly before going up Scarfell Pike. Is it Scarfell or Scarfell? Scarfell Pike. Scarfell Pike. It's named after what the guy looked like that they found who'd fallen off the mountain for the first time. That's not real. <laughs> Don't or scare him, Sam. Don't he already thinks he's yeah, going to die. I'm a, little, I'm a little bit worried. But while you were, you did one. You did a mountain last year. You conquered Snowden. You, plant, mm, you planted your flag. It's true. I planted my little flag. Um, I guess I'm not. I guess I'm not actually that worried. I, I think. I don't know. But I'm not going to let us go up the mountain if the weather's crap. We've got con- okay. we've got contingencies in place. So last year, if we weren't, if, if for whatever reason the weather was bad, I bought a yeah. board game called Snowdonia. So if we couldn't, oh, yeah, if we couldn't, course, pl- yeah. if we couldn't climb the mountain physically, we could metaphorically, symbolically climb the mountain through a really dense board game. Right. So. Uh, Metaphorically, symbolically, instead of climbing up the mountain this year, what would we potentially be doing? Well, there isn't a, there isn't a, a board game called Scarfell Pike. However, Dan, Dan has prepared us an alternative, but I think we're going to do it anyway, regardless. I think we're going to do it the night before to hype ourselves up yeah. for the impending ascent. Dan, talk us through what is it? Because you, you've taken the reins on this, Dan. This this game that we're playing. It's the first time I think as a foursome we've done an RPG. Well, have have any of you guys ever done an RPG before at all? Well, yes. define RPG. Uh, like a Dungeons and Dragons type RG, RPG. Uh, like a paper and With pen characters one. where you're a character and you lead through a story and that kind of thing. Well, you know, I've played Witcher and shit. Uh, yeah, so uh, I have played a pen and paper RPG, yes. I played uh, Delta Green. I've played, I think, a bit of D&D. And uh, I think Call of Cthulhu, possibly. Yeah, I've played some... I've played couple of pen and paper i love them i really like them they're really fun i mean i i've never i've never played on before so uh, it was probably wise for me to be the uh host and creator for this one uh there's a game yeah. called dread which is a kind of a, a a structure they put in place where the main function of this rpg is rather than rolling dice to decide things uh, the game is built around a tower of jenga so as the game proceeds you remove blocks when you want to do something and so over the course of the game that tower becomes more and more precarious and so obviously tension builds and the idea with dread is that it's built around basically you're creating a horror film more or less it's always built around horror aspects i'm sure you you could do it without but um the tower creates that tension so horror stories really really work quite well as i've never done anything like this before so i kind of thought why not I've, I'd already got a copy of the game because you can buy uh, online you can buy a PDF of it it's about like £3.50 or something like that super cheap and it goes into a lot of detail around kind of tips on how to host a game how to create a game what to avoid what to do so it's really good um, I, I put together some uh, questionnaires in the form of an application a job application form I sent them all to you you kindly all filled them in to different degrees of detail Brilliant. 
Who was, uh, the, who was the, hang on, should we guess? Who, who do we feel was the most detailed? Well, Pete, considering he's played uh, pen and paper RPGs before, surely should know how to effectively give all the information to the DM of what's going to be needed. Yeah. That's very yeah. true, Sam. I'm a giver. So we can, we've already established then Pete was the most detailed, isn't that right, Dan? Not so much. Okay, interesting. Uh, the, let's just say the questionnaire by itself, with no answers, came to a, an A4 page. Okay? Okay. So Pete turned that A4 page into just under two A4 pages. Yeah. I thought you say he turned it into an A5 page. Yeah. (laughs) To the the point. Uh, Concise. Laconic. Don't waffle, mate. Chris came next, who turned that one A4 page into three A4 pages. And then Sam took the lead, turning that one into four pages. (laughs) A book. So, I mean, from from your guys' understanding, what would you... In terms of these questionnaires, what are you expecting to... What would you be putting in there? What kind of... How much detail would you think you should be putting in? Well, there's a kind of a tendency because we knew it was a horror... I'm aware of Dread and being it's this a horror scenario. So I tried to... Because you basically gave us a questionnaire for us to kind of create a character. And the last time I did something like that was when I was... You know, we were all studying drama at university. So, But because I knew it was a kind of a survival horror scenario, I had to resist the temptation to try and make my character invulnerable to every possible eventual um, peril. So, you know, I could make him like a weapons expert, first aid trained, doesn't fear anything, and basically bulletproof, an all-star athlete. I had to give him flaws you to make your life a little bit more interesting. You certainly went against Chris, I have to say. Well done. <laughs> you, if you're going to do something, do it properly, you know what I'm saying? As, as a form to fill in, like, it was interesting, and I'd be actually more interested to hear, rather than us telling it, you know, trying to reveal vague insights into how to into how we filled it mm. in trying not to give our characters away until we actually play it I'd actually be more interested in how you Dan how you having never played a pen and paper RPG before however never really shown much interest into this kind of gaming actually you know you were the person who went yep yeah, I'll DM I'll be the GM like how did you go about yeah it was yeah, a surprise yeah, how did actually, you go yeah. about going right this is a story I'm going to pick this is how I'm going to get because the way you got all the information from us wasn't just like a straight questionnaire. You did it in a really interesting way. I just want to know, like, what? how did you go about it? Like, we're boring. I just want to hear you talk. Well, I, I, I kind of looked at it when I decided, because I really got the game. I had read a lot about it. I was really, really interested in the structure of the game. I really liked the idea of the, the tower and the kind of the way that builds tension and trying to create tension. And I liked the idea of telling stories and uh being creative and I think we've all come from a background of kind of theatre and areas like that so we all have create an element of creativity and so as I started to think about kind of what story I wanted to tell I started to think about kind of things that are scary and stuff like that and um, I started to just come up with simple ideas like a single idea not for an overall story but maybe one thing that I wanted to do one one scene or event that I wanted to happen and then that kind of that kind of sat on a blank page and then okay well how do i get there okay it's like this i added this in um i wanted there to be a certain dynamic within the group so i decided that there was going to be a dynamic i then thought kind of thinking outside the box what story aspect can i think of that will create that dynamic once i had quite a few of those the story kind of started to inform itself that okay i've set up a fairly strong through line in terms of what's what's going to happen that now i can say okay well now i fill in basically the kind of the world around it okay um 
it's not giving anything away to say that my story is set on a on a spaceship um so once i'd had that i was like that obviously that lends itself to certain uh traits within the horror genre so you can utilize atmospheric ideas maybe sound effects and stuff like that that i can then start to try and build into the story and trying to use that as well as what i found quite difficult of anything in terms of that story aspect is thinking of enough events that flow smoothly and naturally within a story so it doesn't just feel like here's event number one here's event number two here's event number three the end it had it needed to be something that i could create a story that you guys would naturally through your own playing of it get through the story that i wanted to tell and i think Mm. what's really interesting about dread is it's it's quite clear that it kind of says it puts emphasis on the fact that there is no winner in this at the end of the day if um if the tower falls, someone dies. But at any given time, theoretically, a, a player could choose to knock down the tower. And they could do that. So that kind of creates an idea of her heroic death, that they're killing themselves to achieve something. And so it's very much kind of plays into the idea that everyone is part... Whilst I am the narrator or the kind of the 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 soul, the main storyteller, you guys tell the story with me. It, it's not just me telling a story and you following it, the story doesn't happen without your, you guys getting involved. And there'll be things that you guys will do that will impact the story that I haven't even thought of, that I then have to adapt. That's what's interesting for me. And that's what, if anything, about this whole process that I'm worried about or something is being able to improvise and come up with ideas on the spot when things have happened that I've not planned for, that I can, without it, without me having to stop the game get it back on track to where i need it to go because I'm, I'm fairly confident One, that i can get it to where i need to go it's those deviations that you guys will obviously take because of the story the way that you want to yeah. come up because you don't know where i'm going and you will make a decision to do something that kind of goes against what i'm trying one of the tips i'll give you as somebody who's been fortunate enough to be around very good like gms dms um one of the things that early that beginners around and this certainly is what I did when I started beginning to play like um, some of these pen and paper RPGs, um, your your you know your players will be overly cautious to begin with, like that's one of the things that you will need to you'll need to accommodate that you, you might not have thought of. It's basically players initially will will do everything they possibly can to you know like instead of like just walking through a dungeon door they'll you know creep like they'll 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 very slowly open the door and peek inside and look around and all that sort of stuff very very slowly and it it really slows D games right down um so that that's that's something but yeah i mean i'm really genuinely super excited to 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 experience the story that you're doing and you're in a really interesting position because not only do you have to keep the game running and sort of be the balance and 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 ensure that we're you know keeping to the rules you also have to ensure that we're having a nice time which is it's it's a difficult yeah it's a difficult role to fill but the I'm, problem with dread that you've got is because other than rolling a dice and other than being in a fantasy role fantasy uh, world we are existing, we are playing this game in a world where there's a finality to it. You know, the tower mm. falls, a character dies, and I've, from what you've sent us in your rules, there is nothing that, there's nothing that can save us. In D&D, unless, unless you 
get a certain percent unless you get a certain amount of health below your health points you are not dead you can be brought back and even if you do die there is still a way that a dm could bring you know that character back to life so i imagine that being a dm for dread is really difficult because you might have these grand plans later on but within the first turns i could be drunk or just be a dick and die and then suddenly you're two characters down you you know you're one character down and i'm not coming back well i think that it does kind of factor in into the kind of the into the game into the rules they do talk about kind of the areas where maybe someone knocks over the tower really early on and depending on how early it is kind of it's they very much say these are the rules go ahead and do what you want with them so i could kind of reset the tower and say that one doesn't count it was too early it's going to ruin the game there's another aspect that they use where if it's knocked over too early you can basically rebuild the tower and that character survives but they are no they're just referred to as they are doomed so at any point in the game i can kill them because they've escaped death once death is coming after them theoretically it's like final destination <laughs> yeah so i could basically at any given time when i choose within the story i can kill them they don't have to knock the tower over they don't have to pull from the tower anymore but they remain as part of the story so the story can continue and i can kill them at any time which again that adds that aspect that you don't know what know when you're going to die i as a narrator i have that ability to have that hanging over the game and so there are ways that you can work around that and I think that it's, will be think, interesting. I mean, I don't think I don't think that will necessarily happen because I don't think that we would the tower is likely to be knocked over too early. So I don't think we'll be faced with that. But there are certainly uh, ideas and kind of strategies that you, myself as the the DM can put in place around that to kind of to make sure that the game still remains fun. It's, I mean, it sounds absolutely fascinating. I mean, I've got a feeling almost that actually the the crafting and I, I think it is crafting the crafting of an actual narrative for this game is just as interesting as the actual playing of it out and how it has to be something that has to be inherently porous it has to have these major beats these points of tension because every time you take um, a Jenga block out it's when you're making a decision and it creates that tension you have to have those major beats but at the same time as you say Dan you've got to trust us to kind of find those points to kind of connect these points of tension in the narrative i suppose um, exactly and so you, i'm very much enjoying it i mean you've got very the, much uh, and that's the thing by doing it in a, in a in a group where everyone everyone wants to um be part of it and create a good story that it is a case of although i am the story basically the storyteller and you are the players we are all creating it together we're not it's not just one person doing it and everyone else is completely separate um, we will work together to create something. So as I say, if you feel that you want to die in a heroic way to save another player, you can do that. If you, if that's the best thing for the story, I might try and, if I've got another way, I might try and not necessarily talk you out of it, but push it into a slightly different direction. That that might be the case. That might give you a, an out for that. But it is very much a, a group a group activity in terms of everyone gets to tell a story. And that's that's what I find really really interesting. That it's not there's no winners, there's no winners, there's no losers. Whatever happens happens. It's just our our game and our story that's being told. Talking about Taxi Driver Dan, like a couple of shows back, I happened to just mention off the cuff that I'd not seen any of the Lethal Weapon films, and yeah. then I went onto Twitter afterwards and I got kind of ripped apart by you, Dan, and um, uh, uh, someone that we went to uni with on Twitter that I hadn't seen these films and. 
And I, I replied back, well, I said, well, I hadn't seen The Godfather. I've not seen Rocky. I've not seen The Sound of Music. You know, you know how Twitter works. Got, weirdly, I think of all of those, The Sound of Music is the worst. What? I think of those films, I think it's probably the, the one I'm most surprised at is The Sound of Music because I just assume I that everyone it. has seen The Sound of Music. Just naturally, well, in their youth, it. they see no, it. No, I just, well, no. I've seen it. No? You've not seen The Sound of Music? I want to watch a musical about Nazis. I was practically brought up on that film. No, I've not. No, no, I, don't, I, I don't feel like I need to go and see it. I kind of feel like I have seen it because of, you know, those films that are so critically acclaimed and they've been parodied and pastiche so many times, you almost feel like you've yeah. seen it without actually having seen it. Like, I know the famous scenes in Taxi Driver. I know in principle, you know, what happens in Rocky and same with The Godfather, that kind of thing. I almost don't feel like I need to see the films because I feel like I already have seen them. If that see, makes any I sense. Think, I think with The Godfather, I get it because I think that... To me, that feels like an event film that you make an effort to go and you specifically try to watch it. For me, Sound of Music, throughout my youth, was on TV so much that you kind of couldn't miss it. And that's why it's surprising to me. I never saw it. I, I, I just know the famous moment where Julie Andrews is running up a, a hill, a mountainside, and singing to basically nothing. That's literally uh, the first 60 seconds of the film. I also know it. that there's, isn't there like a, isn't like, where's it set? set in Austria, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like, it's her and it's her relationship with a naval captain. Uh, she is, uh, she's a nun who is hired as basically a nanny for uh, a, a captain's but family. But he's a naval captain. Uh, the last time I heard, Austria didn't really have much of a I'm scene not sure, surrounding I'm not it. sure uh, the military Chris, status Chris, of are him. You, are you poking holes uh, in a film called The Sound of Music where... One scene consists of a woman, again, I've not seen it, surrounded by loads of children telling them why she likes baskets yeah. of kittens and mittens. Like, <laughs> those, are a few, those are a few of my like, favourite things. That film is just preposterous. And the reason I've not seen it, Dan, is if my mum and dad were watching it when I was a kid, I'd go, right, singing, girls in dresses, I'm leaving the room. Where's the beauty Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, hang on. <laughs> girls in dresses? Yeah, Where's the beauty my brother. Sam, the stereotype of all of, of the male You didn't even image. know where you... Like, I love the idea that your parents would just, whenever they watch Sound of Music, we've got to make him watch it. Well, how can we make him watch it? We'll just hide the Sabutio. But he knows all the places we hide it in. Well, we'll, we'll put it in the loft. He doesn't look there. Uh, um, talking of taxi drivers, um, Pete and I had a, a wonderful um, taxi journey uh, while we were in Bristol. We were picking up the... Uh, my good lady's suitcase at her hotel and then the idea, the plan was is that we're going to go from the hotel and we're going to just catch a bus or something back up to Pete's place, get a cup of tea and then we were going to leave and go back to Manchester while we're at the hotel, Pete goes shit, what's the time? like 2.30 oh, I, <laughs> I like I had a, I had a Tesco plans. delivery coming for the weekly shop at between 2 and 3 <laughs> And Lisa and I looked at each other and we're just like, Pete. And he's like, and he's like, and he's like, Alex, Pete's girlfriend, she's ordered stuff as well. And he's just like, oh God. So Pete gets on Uber quickly. Ahmed picks us up six minutes later we're in his black foxhole like racing up Bristol Bristol Hills like Pete's there going come on come on come on come on come on 
It's like a middle-class thriller. <laughs> we drive up, we drive up to his apartment complex, and there it is, the Tesco's van. But is it indicating, or are its hazards on? So Pete nonchalantly just gets out the car, like says goodbyes to say says goodbye to Ahmed. Me and Lisa are a bit more polite, and then suddenly. You just see Pete's face as his Tesco van indicates and pulls away and goes down the drive. <laughs> and like Pete's like, that's my food. And then to make it worse, we get into Pete's apartment. <laughs> and I said that it might be all right because they might have like posted it all through the letterbox and stuff. I don't know how, how it works. <laughs> yeah. well, a slice of bread but at a they time left, they left a card saying sorry we missed you we tried you on this number and it was Alex's number so he's like she knows now she knows <laughs> she knows that I missed it um, one of the things that we didn't get around to doing well so we played all sorts of games while you were over Sam we got the NES yes. out uh, we, we played Chippendale Rescue Rangers. We uh, played yeah, Super Mario Brothers so 2 and went... Mm-hmm. Uh, we tried to play Super Mario Brothers 3, but my Nez was like, yeah, I'm really not working very well at the moment, so I'm not going to have it. Uh, I will be cleaning it with the air canister that I purchased sandpaper. and the... What was it? I, yeah, I, I had the job, that I Dan, Chris, of, taking, of literally holding Pete's hand around a DIY shop. Now... It wasn't like a DIY shop like B&Q or Wix. It was the DIY section of a local Wilco's. And even that was dumbfounding enough for Peter to completely... Like, I literally had to go up to him and like hand in the sandpaper because he just had no idea what he was looking for. And I, I had to ask a nice man where the So he can clean, so he can clean his Nintendo Entertainment System. So I would like to clean my NES, please. Where is your <laughs> compressed air? Um, so we did all that. Uh, he bought, he nice... bought a tool belt. Yeah, yeah. We we played Double Dragon two, uh, which was great, greatest game ever. Classic. Um, but one of the co-op games that we didn't manage to play, and I actually really wanted to play this with you, Sam. Thanks. Was Riptide GP Renegade, which um, I have been playing, and it's got this. It's got split screen multiplayer. It's got online multiplayer. All that sort of stuff. And I really wanted to give it a go while you're down, but we didn't get a chance to because we're too busy doing other bits and pieces. But, so yeah, I've been playing it. It's a, like a skidoo racer kind of thing. Like, Skidoos. What are they Jet called? Jet skis like, snow. Yeah. Skidoo? Yeah. Is that what it is? Well, that sort of thing. That hand it's gesture like, um, is going to be lost on the listeners, Peter. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, it's it's like, um, what? it's like, uh, they're like, like a jet ski for snakes, but in the water. Yeah, je- yeah. What's is it? What's a what's water? What's a motorbikes in the water? Jesus Christ! Is it a jet ski? Did you think is like a jet ski was something guys, that was actually guys, jet guys, powered? What do you call a jet ski? Across the sky, on the water. It's a fucking jet ski. Is yeah. it a jet ski? Skidoo. What do you call those right. planes? The name creates itself. You know the ones that are in the air. What planes? Yeah. Right. No. No. That's not a jet ski in the air. They're called aeroplanes, as in planes that are in the air. Oh, right. Listen, so, uh, yes, I've been playing it, and uh, so it's, you're, you're driving around in jet skis, it's like the far future, and the big motorsport in the world is jet ski racing, and it's got this, this weirdly detailed career mode where you are sort of thrown out of the racing league, and you have to start from the very beginning, and you've got this 
sets of races with rivals and the only way to get there is to prove your worth from the very bottom of the leagues to get all the way to the top of the leagues again. So I'm currently playing this on PlayStation 4. Um, it's going to be on, or if it's not already, on Xbox One, Steam, iOS and Android. I think it's on Apple TV and Google, Nvidia Shield or something along those lines. Um, and yeah, it's like this this fast-paced arcade racing game where you're on water, uh, you are grabbing boost by doing tricks, so and it's doing wave race. stunts, and so on. And you're it's so it's not quite wave race, but I really did well, love did. wave race, and I also well, everyone did. And more importantly, I really loved a game called Hydro Thunder Hurricane. This is um, which was by Vector Unit, and Riptide GP Renegade is also by Vector Unit, which is why I was like, I need to go and play that, because I really, really loved Hydro Thunder Hurricane. And, yeah, I've been playing it, and it is, like, brutally, brutally tough. Like, it feels a little bit like it's approaching wipeout levels of difficult at, at times, like, where you're running up against opponents where you just can't seem to scrape those couple of seconds off that you need to get to the end. Um, it's really fast, it looks great. It runs really, really smoothly. I mean, I will say this. Obviously, there's an iOS and Android version, so you would hope it would run smoothly on a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One. But those mobile routes, they've been... They're present, so do you but get, they're not so do you get particularly like egregious. One, there's two, no in-app completing a course, basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you get to the end. Of, so you get to the end of course. If you come in first, or if you get the highest number of points, or whatever it is, you get three stars and you move on. You get money to unlock new vehicles. So it, the game's progression is very much built around how uh, you unlock things and how you upgrade your craft so that you can get good enough to the point where you can continue on racing. Um, as I say, it's not. There's not really in-app purchases or anything like that. It's all just you just do the races. Uh, which is nice. The controls are really, really beautiful. Work really well on on controller. It's it's definitely been adapted really well from uh, the Riptide series, which kind of started off life on on touch screens. Um, yeah, like I've been like super surprised at how great it is. Like I thought that this kind of racer wasn't happening anymore. This kind of very much a straight up here is a racing game. Get on with it. Whereas you have stuff like Forza Horizon, which is just so terrified you know that you'll that you'll get bored that it just goes here go to this thing over here or like uh uh you know the need for speed games where they're like go over here and do stunts okay now go over here and do racing now one-on-one -on -one. now this um you've got your what's that ubisoft game the crew where it's like go to the top of this tower and unlock all these things this is just a do a race like it's cool. very much straight up in that way um which is quite refreshing um yeah and i've been thoroughly enjoying it it's um it's really really nice only downside I've found of it so far, so it does have this online multiplayer stuff. Hmm. I couldn't find anybody playing it, which is why that, I really wanted to do the split screen it's got, with you. Probably got more of a presence because on, on mobile. I don't know. I really don't know. Like, I think, I think it's probably going to suffer a little bit well, from the I've fact that seen, Riptide I've started off on mobile. Like, I think some people are going to go download only. Yeah, so digital digital only release, um, and like. Yeah, it's it's kind of snuck out. Like I must admit, I was a little bit surprised when I saw the the email about it in my inbox. I was like, oh, okay, is that that's coming to PS4? Okay, nuts. I'd love to see how that works out. And it turns out it works out really, really well. But I definitely think that there's there's going to be this stigma attached to it of like, oh, it's a mobile game on console. And actually, it's a console game on mobile that has now finally made its way back onto consoles. 
Um, but yeah, so really, really like it. Uh, and yeah, I just think it's ace. I think it gets almost as almost gets as exciting as Hydra Thunder Hurricane at times. It's almost as over the top as that game is, but it's a much nicer, much tighter racing experience, much closer to the Riptide. Uh, akin like that wave race kind of a kind of a thing as you pointed out earlier well it's it's um, great to know that yeah, i could have had a better time if staying at yours like here's what you could have had i'm sorry yeah but instead what you and i did was just spend about 40 minutes total blowing on cartridges to make sure that yeah. we could play as chip and or dale about the mountain prep because I've got a feeling that there are four of us here three of us have done some kind of I did, prep for I, mountain climbing I, I, and one I of us has prep for his mountain climbing like... I'll tell you what Dan it's better than yours from what I hear from what you've been doing look at Dan's face I highly doubt Dan, that. <laughs> Dan's face there of oh I even shit. know I even... <laughs> what prep have you been doing Pete I've been so I make sure that I walk home from work every day and as Sam will attest yeah it is an intense walk. How far is it? It's, it's about doesn't matter. <laughs> it's about a 15 minute walk. Yeah. 15, 20 minute walk. Yeah, but Dan, it is up so, the biggest hill I've ever... You know that hill in Aberystwyth? Cardiac Hill? Yeah. It's like walking up that every single day for people. Cardiac so, Hill? You drive down that hill. and like Every time I drove down that hill, my ears would pop. Yeah. It's such a short it's hill, intense. but it is so steep. And, and Dan, Pete actually went rock climbing the other day. So in terms of training he's doing, he's up there. You've got to step it up. Well, at the moment for me, on a daily, on average, on a daily basis, I'm walking six miles home, which is taking about oh, an hour and a half. Is that, is that in preparation for when Chris takes us six miles away from where we need to? Exactly. I'm, I'm not, I'm not being messed up this time. I'm doing, I'm practicing my road walking. I've actually. Uh, <laughs> <brilliant. laughs> <laughs> the hill climbing you're do. I've looked at the, I've looked at the map and everything this time, lads, beforehand. It's a shoe in. Okay, that's good. That, that bodes well. That bodes well, that training, because as I said to you in the message the other day, this is an extra two or three miles on last year's walk. That's not including the extra six miles of road walking that we did as but well. But it's, it's not as high, is it? It's, um, it's like about 100 feet. Uh, it's about a tenth less uh, is Scaffold Pike. So it's, uh, <laughs> over, un, oh, it's over 100 metres of difference. So we won't, we won't like, need oxygen tanks this time, lads. Yeah, but it's over 100 metres of distance, right? And where, like, in uh, Snowden was, is 1,085 metres high, so it's a tenth less. So, yeah, it's longer, but what that essentially means, Dan, it's good, for, it's good news, don't rock the boat. Like, it means that it's less steep and it's over a longer distance, so it won't be quite as holy crap we're going to die on the side of this mountain as the last one was and also it actually it balances it out because it's the exact same length in terms of time as the previous one so you are right p it's 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 actually works out the exact same time even though we're going mm. further mm. and like i mean like um and then the tallest the one we should really like i thought i thought ben nevis dan was next it, no dan let's not de let's definitely not do de ben nevis next Why? because it's it's 300 meters higher than wales yeah we've got it we'd have it's a another, year to prepare it's another for it. third it's still a year yeah, away. But you don't. But you and I don't prepare for it, Dan. I have been That's preparing, Pete. You're saying, you're saying, oh, oh, we've got another year to prepare for it. But you getting off one stop before your bloody train ride comes along and tootling along a path is not actual training. Neither is my 
I get home 15 minute walk up a slightly like slightly steeper hill for an extra 300 meters of height an extra th think about Snowden doing a third of it on the way up again and then another third on the way down like why Pete what kind of training do you think you'd need to do out of curiosity proper walking people have died on the side of Ben Nevis well I'm doing proper like, proper walking no, but I mean walking, walking, not walking. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, I've been crawling. Sorry, I You've been saunt. Your walking has been sauntering. I guarantee like... it's not been sauntering. <laughs> by the time it get, by the time we get to when we climb our mountain, I will have walking, walking like proper walking over a hundred yeah, miles. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. let's have a race. <laughs> That is a bad idea. That is a very well, bad idea. Well, if you if you want to fight over which training method is best, who's doing the best war? I'm not. I'm just. I'm oh, just specifying way, that I am actually training. Well, let's well let's have a race. Let's just see who copes better on the day. Three hundred meters, mate. Um, Bearing in mind, also, I'm the only one with a car, so whatever happens, you'll still have to wait for me. <laughs> or I will have to wait for you. It's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, have so to. You, you two, you two can run off. You two can run off on your own because you've been doing all your high intensity training with thunder thighs, like Valdari, Valro. <laughs> and me and Chris are just sauntering at the end, and there you are. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take like... my time. I'm, I'm not interested in getting up there fast. No, I'm just no, con I agree. concentrating on not wins. dying. You want to see that? You want to take in the view as well. You don't want to just be staring yeah. at the ground. So, Sam and Chris, are, are you? That's what it. are your thoughts on Ben Nevis? Oh, definitely, I want to do it after this one. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake! That was staying in with Peter Willington, Dan Frost, Sam Turner, and myself, Chris Darby. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the comics, movies, games and more covered in this episode. And come find us on Twitter at StayingInPod. Thanks for listening.